Well, today is the beginning of a new year, and with the new year comes those dreaded New Year's resolutions. <laughs> My goal for 2023 is to complete the goals of 2022, which I should have done in 2021, because I promised to do them in 2020, and I had planned them in 2019. So you, some of you are laughing because you can relate. Yes. New Year's resolutions, yes, they can come and go. But as I was thinking through this morning's sermon, we're going to resume our study of 1 Peter, and that's our means of operation here is to go verse by verse, exegetical preaching. And I want to do a little bit of that today, but I'm stepping back a little bit and just thinking the landscape of what lies ahead for us as a body of believers, our motto is to love God and love others. And with that comes really spirituality, being more spiritual. And that's a million dollar question. What does that mean, being spiritual? How do, what are the characteristics and, and, and how can we grow in our faith in 2023? So we're gonna look at a text and that's found in 1 Corinthians. So if you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter two. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. And as we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for this new year. Lord, uh, for some, 2022 was very difficult. Whether it's medical issues, job-related, relationships, and much may be carried over into 2023. I know we have those in our midst who are recovering from surgery. Think of Deb Poor with brain surgery. We think of those battling cancer, such as Ron Page. And we, we think of those that are struggling with family members who are hurting physically, such as Heather Booker and her mom. And there's others. And the list goes on and on. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to step aside for a minute as we look at this new year and think about our relationship with you and where we need to be, where we would like to be, and all that that entails. In Jesus' name, amen. First Corinthians <clears throat> is one of those books that uh, is very intriguing. <laughs> Paul's writing <clears throat> to a group of believers, excuse me, <clears throat> who are, I cheered way too much for Ohio State. This is what's happened. <clears throat> I'm not even an Ohio State fan. Sorry, Ben. Here we are. <clears throat> I just, it's a big 10, right? So we look at this church who has taken on a lot of its culture, and Paul's writing a letter to address several issues, but the overarching purpose for writing this letter is that they would grow in their sanctification. That's a 50-cent word. It means simply set apart. They, they've made a profession in Christ. They need to be here in their faith, and he's going to try to help them get there. And there's several reasons why he's writing. He received a letter. He's received a report. And he gets to chapter 2, verse 12, and he says, Now, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, so that we may know things that are freely given to us by God. And we speak about those things, not with words taught by human wisdom, but with those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. 
the unbeliever doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritually discerns all things, yet he himself is understood by no one. And then Paul quotes from Isaiah 40. He says, For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to advise him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people. Can you imagine this being read to your church? This is from the Apostle Paul. I can't speak to you as spiritual people. Ouch, right? Uh, everyone's looking around. Yeah, he's talking about you, right? But instead, as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you milk, not solid food. For you were not ready. In fact, you're still not ready. For if you're still influenced by the flesh, for since there is still jealousy and dissension among you, are you not influenced by the flesh and behaving like unregenerate people? And, and so he, he goes on, but he, in this segment found in 1 Corinthians, we see, I think, a definition of what is spirituality. In order to define that, we first step back and we look at this, and Paul's giving us two major categories. There are those who are unspiritual, that is the unsaved, and then there's a group that are spiritual. And with that, we're going to see three categories. There's those that are super spiritual. I mean, they're doing great in the faith. There are those that are new converts. They're infants in the faith. And then you have a group in between that should be going this way, but they've not progressed from being infants. And that's what we'd call a carnal Christian, backwards Christian. And so you see this, these groups, the categories. And in the midst of this, we see three key elements for being spiritual. We'll define it in a minute, but first, if you're following along in your notes, it's, it's one of salvation. Salvation. One cannot be spiritual. You cannot be in this camp if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice it says in verse 12, the, the spirit who is from God. So we have the giver, we have the origin, it's from the Lord. And the means, it's, it's been freely given. It, it's nothing we have done. We didn't earn the Spirit. There are no strings attached. It's not like those Christmas gifts you receive from certain individuals who you know if they give you one, they expect one in return, right? No, no, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, the ultimate test of our spirituality is the measure of our amazement at the grace of God. That's what we're discussing here. It's individuals who've been freely bestowed, those who are followers of Jesus, and we see it's us personally. And the purpose, notice what it says, so that we may know the things that are freely given. One scholar writes, just as an appropriation of the message of the cross meant a reorientation of outlook, so a deeper reflective embracing of the lifestyle which the cross brings entails steady disengagement from the values and traditions imposed by the rulers of this present world and by the spirit of the world. And so first element we see if we're going to be over here in this camp of being spiritual is that there has to be salvation. That's the basis. But Paul goes on to state, it's not just that. There's another key element, and that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see this in verses 13 through 16, where he says there's, <clears throat> there's human wisdom, and then there's wisdom that comes 
from the indwelling of the Spirit. The teaching and guiding roles of the Holy Spirit. I think of John 16 where Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to send you a comforter. But he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, Jesus states, he will guide you into all truth. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. All of this stems from the Spirit. And Paul says here, you who have received the Spirit, those of you who have embraced Christ as your Savior, you're being taught by the Spirit. Notice that in verse 13, not taught by the wisdom of the world. What's the wisdom of the world? It's that which is unspiritual, that which is laced with jealousy, dissension. <clears throat> Again, this is part of the problem with this church at Corinth. They're over here <clears throat> dwelling in disorder, uh, dissension. And he says, no, 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 you need spiritual understanding, a willingness which is to act and obey the word of God. Now, this text has often been taken out of context or abused. Paul is not talking about a second blessing or spiritual elitism that comes because I have the spirit special blessing and you don't. No, 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 no. The whole context is about obedience, about working and serving the Lord. This text is also not arguing for anti-intellectualism. I had an uncle who poo-pooed that I'd gone on to seminaries and just let the Holy Spirit guide as you teach. Well, certainly we want the Holy Spirit to guide us, but this isn't a justification for laziness in biblical studies, all right? I had a student who thought this, and I said, well, the Holy Spirit helped you get an F? No. <laughs> Learn, grow, mature, and dedicate yourself to study. So the role of the Spirit, faith, and salvation is vital here. And, and so Paul is stating the ministry of the Spirit is key to spirituality. He goes on to state the unbeliever doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. Just highlighting this. You've shared your faith with someone and they, there's this blank stare. There's, there's no connection with what you're saying. Why? The Holy Spirit's not interacting there's no engagement. I mean, you might as well be speaking Swahili. And they're, you know, they're, they're lost. They're clueless. And that shouldn't surprise us. Even earlier in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, the crucified Christ is an affront to the Jew and it is folly to the Gentile. They can't imagine. And so the spiritual person, notice in verse 15, discerns all things. In other words, there's a more, there's a filter, there's a standard to, to push things through morally and understand. Psalm 119 says, for the believer, the scriptures are a light to his or her path and a lamp to one's feet. It guides, it gives us understanding and insight through the power of the spirit. I don't know about you, as I, I look at 2023, this should bring us great joy, peace, and comfort. We don't need a crystal ball. We don't need a horoscope. We have a relationship with the Lord Almighty. And so as we face 2023 and with its uncertainties and ongoing battle perhaps with cancer or the need for a new job or fear of finances, we can rest securely in the arms of our Lord. 
Why? Because we know that from here and we have the power of the Spirit who comes alongside and guides and directs. And this is why Paul can say, for who has known the mind of the Lord? But notice what Paul does. But we have the mind of not the Lord, but Christ. He changes it. He puts it very Christologically centered. It's about Christ. And it's his mind through the power of the Spirit working in us. We say, what's the mind of Christ? Well, here we're talking about a, a mode of thought. And what's Christ? Self-humiliation. One who dies to self in order to glorify the Father. That's true spirituality. It's not marked by the hours we volunteer or, or how much we put on an offering plate. It's a relationship with the Lord and acquiescing to him. It's been stated, religion is us trying to prove to God how important we are. Think about that, right? Many religions are based on works. I would argue all religions are based on works. We do X, Y, Z, and the God or God's smile. Spirituality is being humble enough to allow God prove to us how important he is. There's a difference. And so it's the mind of Christ that we take on for those who are spiritual, who are in this category. Interesting, Romans 12 Therefore, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is, Paul states, your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It starts here. <clears throat> so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. That's the definition of spirituality. And, and it, tells, it tells salvation. And it tells the work of the Spirit. And Paul's not done because in chapter 3, as he goes on in verses 1 through 3 here, we see it also entails time and maturity. Spirituality, a mature individual, is not a new convert. It's one who spent time with God. Remember the category here. He says, I spoke to you as spiritual people instead of the flesh, as infants in Christ. There was a time, he says, I fed you milk. You were once new converts, but now there should be growth in this. Maturity through prayer, reading the word, etc. We'll talk about this in a minute. That has demonstrated over time perseverance and obedience to the Lord. In other words, the church is a school for saints. It's not a museum for saints. <laughs> Far from it. We are all in this sanctification process. We're all being set apart. We're all growing. Now, based upon these ingredients then, I think we could define spirituality as a state where a mature believer is growing in his or her relationship with the Holy Spirit. Again, spirituality is a state where we have a mature believer who is growing in his or her relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are several implications about this as we look at the text. The definition indicates that a new Christian cannot be spiritual. And I'll just bear with me for a minute. That sounds, whoo, what do you mean? <clears throat> well, I think even the qualifications of an elder, you don't have a new convert. Why? They're still taking milk in. They're still growing. 
You know, you need time. And just as you need time for uh, physical maturity, I mean, there was a time when you ate crushed peas and yams, right? <clears throat> but now it's time for brisket and lobster bisque. There's a time for spiritual maturity. There's time for growth. And that's what Paul is saying here. And so we need to keep that in mind. What that means is a reminder when we have a new convert, they're not going to be as mature and sophisticated as those who've been around for a while in the church. Give them time. They'll look like they've been sucking on prune juice as well or sipping on prune juice. Just give them time. But there's got to be growth. We also, an implication here, as a Christian of longer standing, we, we have to remember, may not be spiritual because a believer has failed to allow the spirit to work in his or her life. If a teenager is still eating out of a baby jar, baby food jar, we got a problem. It's time to grow up. They need to be eating hamburgers and pizza and more hamburgers, right? Everything that's unhealthy. Uh, <clears throat> older, just because a person has been in the faith for 30 years does not mean necessarily they are spiritually mature. I had a piano teacher used to say, uh, practice does not make perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. And that's a good, good reminder. I didn't like it at the time, but anyway, well, there you are, right? And finally, implication is this definition recognizes that spirituality isn't, again, we've said this, but it's an ongoing process. You have to keep eating. That's why this new year, I, I, I have a New Year's resolution that I'm going to take on two diets because I don't get enough food in the first one. So I'm doing two diets. I'm going to keep on eating. You will not drift. Some of you will get that later. I know you're tired. You don't need to drift. And, well, you will not drift into the spiritual life. It doesn't come via osmosis, sleeping on a Bible under your pillow. We have to set time aside for prayer, studying of the word, and engagement with other believers. And so our definition, based upon the above ingredients, we can define spirituality as a state where a mature believer is growing in his or her relationship with the Holy Spirit. In a classic book written by Lewis Berry Schaefer, it's titled He That Is Spiritual. It's a great read. It's not an easy one, but it's a great little read. He states, spirituality is not gained by struggling. It is to be claimed it's not imitation of a heavenly ideal. It's an impartation of the divine power which alone can realize the ideal. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's one who's spiritual. And the problem with the, the one who should be in this realm is still over here as a new believer. There's been no progress. And that's what Paul is stating here. He said, I fed you milk, which was appropriate at one time, not solid food, but you're still not ready. It's time to grow up. Again, can you imagine sitting there hearing Paul state this to you? <laughs> right? I know everyone's going, well, that's him over here. That's Apollos, right? It's not me. So, Knowing that, let me give you some characteristics of spirituality as we look into going into 2023. This is familiar territory for most of us, but in a day like today, first of the year, it's a good reminder. I've called them the five C's. C, uh, not S-E-A, but the letter C. Because the first one is Christ-likeness. 
Spirituality will be evident in how a believer imitates Christ. So the first of these, as we look at how do we define someone who the, the spiritual, one of the characteristics is we see Christ. Galatians 2, to live is Christ. Remember Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In our study of 1 Peter, for to you, he says, for to this you've been called because Christ has suffered for you, living, leaving you an example. You're to follow in his steps, Paul says in 1 Peter. And so the application is clear. We need to be emulating Christ in our lives. For me, I think one of the greatest ways that that is seen is how I interact with people within the church and outside the church. And I want to commend you as a body of believers. <laughs> we have grown rapidly in the last two and a, going now two and a half years. It's exciting to see. But with that comes sometimes growing pains and, and launching new ministries. You've been so patient, so kind. I've had folks write and say, you know, I, I wish we were doing this, but I, I know in time. Or can I help volunteer here? Great. But there's been the patience to the new building. Talk about being unified as a body of believers. Uh, taking on a building construction, a, a capital campaign, you can talk to many people outside these four walls, and, and I've had even Christian leaders tell me, oh, be careful, that's dangerous waters. It's not been for us, and I want to thank you. Um, you know, they're not purple with white polka dots like you've wanted for some of the carpet, but you've been patient and gracious, and I just thank you. And I, I don't know about you, but I just can't wait till we're in our new building. I'm thankful for Westfield High School, but what a day. If you haven't seen the drone footage, by the way, you must. The new walls are up. They're putting the steel up this week. It's exciting. So Christ-likeness. The second is content. And what I mean by that is, is a knowledge of the word. We have to be anchored in, shaped by, and filtered through biblical theology. That danger of drifting spiritual is when it's not been anchored well. And we're oper operating outside of what God has intended. Of course, the danger is becoming too puffed up intellectually. And so Paul informs the church at Corinth that one's behavior, though, must be based upon biblical content. Hebrews 5 says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child, but solid food for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. We are blessed with a plurifa of fine teachers in our midst, aren't we? The, from the children's ministry, and, and I'm so grateful for those under uh, Pastor Michael's tutelage that are teaching our young people from nursery all the way up to fifth grade uh, with Truth 78 material, our student ministries offering even midweek Bible studies. And students, if you're not involved, let me encourage you to, to get involved in these. Our college and career class, our adult Sunday school classes, which I'm just so grateful for the various individuals who are teaching. Currently, there's an 
Old Testament survey, you can't beat it. Or go to the New Testament and you can study Romans 9 through 11. And that's what's being offered at this time. We have various Bible studies during the week uh, from what's being offered through women's ministries. And they have several events planned. And I let me encourage you through Dorothy Gilbert and through Debbie Baldwin, just so grateful for these ladies and what they're doing through women's ministry and teaching. We have Pam Russell, who teaches a women's Bible study on Monday nights, and Tom Crago, who teaches on Thursday morning for the men. Just a variety of opportunities to study the Word. We also have the fighter verses that are on your bulletins. That's not so we can fill in a gap uh, because we don't have enough space or you need to fill up space. No, no, no. Those fighter verses are important in committing ourselves to memorizing God's word. And so Christ-likeness content. Another is confession. You look at the one who is spiritual over here and there's a sensitivity to sin. Nothing is quicker, I would argue, to destroy spirituality than sin. We need to be believers who are quick to confess our sin Ones that are able to take admonition and rebuke and not bristle. Knowing where our faults lie. This past couple weeks, you've probably seen in the news a prominent Christian singer who's hosting her niece's same-sex wedding. When questioned by the Washington Post, she states, Honestly, from a faith perspective, I do always say Jesus You just narrowed it down to two things, love God and love others. I belt fell out of my seat at my desk when I read that. Franklin Graham spoke up, and I'm so grateful, because he said, yes, we are to love God and love each other, but if we love God, we will seek to obey his word. Jesus told us, if you love me, you keep my commandments. God defines what is sin, not us, and his word is clear that homosexuality is sin. We cannot compromise. And loving others, I would argue, tacking on to Franklin Graham, is exhorting one another, pointing out areas that are shortcomings. The danger of the church, it was the danger for Corinth and it's the danger for CBF and the church in America, big C, is that we take on our culture and we become desensitized to what is really sin. To you young people, I'm speaking to you in particular because sadly you are bombarded daily. And we watched so many Hallmark movies, I'm sick. But anyway, we, we watched three of them, and in all three of them, there was an actor who embraced same sex. It was just common. And how far we've come as a culture. But careful, O oh church. For the one who is spiritual, there is a real sensitivity to sin. The radars are up. And yes, we walk in grace. Yes, we walk in love. But that's part of it. Is saying, no, 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 we can't go there. This isn't right. First Thessalonians 5, quench is uh, not the spirit. It's in the context of fire. And then Paul goes on to say, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from everything that is evil. So the, this 2023, we need to guard our hearts and our minds 
Whether it's pride, issues of the tongue, the pocketbook, or matters of the heart or eyes. Whether it's our home, our relationships, our workplace, whether it's public or it's private. And I would argue, as a church, we need to be careful. Because a body of believers can also demonstrate arrogance, the holy huddle, the elitism. We don't want that. And that's what I love about CBF and the beauty of our church membership. If you're not a member, let me encourage you. It's a great way to get plugged in, but to have that accountability and interchange where you have an elder and you have deacons that are caring for you, and it's dynamite. I love it. And that's one of the ways that we can grow in our faith. So Christ-likeness, content, confession. Let me give you the fourth C. That's communication. And what I'm talking about here is time with the Lord. Communicating with the Lord should be ongoing daily. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. It, it molds us to God's image. It shows our dependence on him. And so let me challenge you, spend some time in prayer, but we also as a church have a variety of ways to get plugged into ministry. There's the prayer chain or the, the prayer list that goes out. If you're not a part of that, join it. Read, uh, that's it. You can find that in the newsletter or even in the bulletin. Thursdays, we meet for prayer at the center. There's women's and men's specific prayer groups. Perhaps it's keeping a journal. And let me challenge you this new year, pray for our leadership, pray for the building, pray for our staff as we look to see where God is leading us in 2023. So Christ-likeness, content, confession, communication, and the last C is community. Spirituality will be evident in how much a believer spends with other believers. Samuel Rutherford wrote, many coals make a good fire. And I would argue the spiritual Christian will contribute to the church because they're engaged. Hebrews 10, I know I'm preaching to the choir on a New Year's Day because you're here. Well done. Uh, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the text is telling us the importance of, of meeting together. After all, the church is the bride of Christ. It's, it's not an optional piece to the Christian life. I would also argue the church is the body of Christ. And, and so community is important. There are no lone rangers in the Christian faith. In fact, the more isolated you are, the more dangerous ground you're entering, dangerous territory. Anonymity is not good in the Christian faith. (laughs) You know, one of the greatest struggles I had when COVID hit and there was all the lockdowns, I think one of the worst parts was the absence of gathering with saints. Doing church online, and there's a place for that, no doubt, but oh, it, it wasn't good for my soul. And sadly, statistics show it wasn't good for the church either. In the Barna group in 2020, it said one in three practicing Christians, not nominal, practicing Christians dropped out of church completely. 
And by 2021, at the latter part of 2021, LifeWay research found that only three quarters of once regular attenders returned to the pews. Wow. No, no. You would have thought a pandemic would have drawn hearts to God and understanding uh, this is outside our scope. But no, no, we latched on to certain things thinking, no, this is our safety valve and et cetera, et cetera. Mm. No, the, the vital, it's vital to be a part of the church. And I just want to again applaud you. Keep it up. <laughs> of our congregation, there's over 250 volunteers serving. It's fantastic. No, not every Sunday. But they're involved, whether it's through nursery, singing in the choir, guest receptions, participating in men and women's events, and the list goes on. Thank you. But keep it up. And so, New Year's resolutions, <laughs> based upon the five characteristics of spirituality that we just reviewed, Christ-likeness, content, confession, communication, and community. Right, let me challenge you to identify one or a couple areas that need attention. How can you specifically address one of these areas that, that mark the spiritual person in this next year? The best way to ensure that this new re resolution is carried forth is to be specific. Making sure your goals are realistic. You know, you're not going to memorize all of the Psalms this year. Uh, maybe focus on one. 121, I don't know. Be obtainable and be measurable. It's interesting. Recent research shows that reviewing your resolutions on a weekly basis will help you keep them over time because it creates a habit. I'm going to be very vulnerable. One of the areas that I've written down in my notes is an issue of prayer. I desire to be more intentional. And I had started a journal, but I'm going to rework it, or I have already started to rework it, so that each day I have an elder, the members of that elder group, the deacons that are assigned. For each day, it's a different elder, different group that I will be committing to prayer. Along with that is the staff, our building construction, and specific areas of ministry. You could help me keep me accountable in doing this. Uh, that's a it's time-consuming, yes. Is it doable? Yes, I think it's realistic. But it's a way that I, I want to tackle this next year, ways that I can improve. And so let me challenge you as a body of believers, but you specifically. Look at these areas of Christ-likeness, content, confession, communication, and community. Provide some goals for this next year. Again, specific, measurable, not, I'm going to love God more. What does that mean? Ooh, that's, that's like nailing down jello. Uh, how are you going to love God more this year? Put some of these things down and, and, and focus on what God would have for you. And let's take 2023 serious when it comes to loving God and loving others well. <laughs> you know, it's interesting in 1 Corinthians, it's in this letter that we also find Paul's instructions for communion. Because later on in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 18, he says, For in this first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. They're lacking the mind of Christ. 
And, and Paul says, whoa, 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 why would you do that when you recognize what Christ has done for us? And so Paul takes them back to the upper room. He takes them to communion and reminds them what the bread and the wine represent, the body of Christ and all that has been accomplished for us. And so he says, this, this should cause you to rejoice. It should cause you to want to be more like Christ and grow spiritually. And so let's spend some time reflecting on where we are spiritually, where we need to go. If you've not received one of these cups, we have it there for you. But let's just spend some time preparing our hearts for this communion service. come to you this morning and we've really been addressing those who have made a profession of faith, individuals who have understood that they're a sinner and that you've provided a means for atonement through your son Jesus who came and died on a cross and was buried and three days later rose from the dead. Father, there may be some here this morning that is so foreign to them. The eyes have been blinded and they've not fully grasped. What does it mean that you died for us? <laughs> that we can have a life with you that, that's spiritually rich and full. And so, Father, I pray if there's one here this morning who doesn't know you, that they would bend their knee. Lord, there may be some in the spiritual greater umbrella that are more between infant and spiritual. Life has been full and it's robbed some of the time spent with you. And Father, we thank you for your forgiveness and your willingness to cover that and move us forward. And so, Father, as we sit here this morning for all of us it's our desire to grow in our walk with you to be more like christ why because as we come to the communion table we're reminded of all that you have done for us and we thank you in jesus name amen paul goes on to state to the church at corinth he said for i received from the lord what i delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, that night he was betrayed, he, he took the bread. <laughs> and when he'd given thanks and he broke it, he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
The same way he, he took the cup after supper. And he, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord, thank you. It's easy to take these elements, but when we grasp just a glimpse of what they truly represent, we are in awe of your great love. We celebrated once again the coming of your son to earth not for the purpose of setting up shop as a king or running as a political office, but rather to be a criminal. That is to die on a cross for us, to take on our sin. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you as well. That's not the rest of the story. And as we receive the Holy Spirit at our point of conversion and who's dwelling and guiding. Lord, we know there's a day coming when we'll be with you for all eternity. And Lord, if it would be your will, we'd pray this is the last New Year's we celebrate on earth, <laughs> that we would be in your presence. Until then, Lord, help us in our walk with you Guide us in these resolutions so that we might grow in our walk and be more spiritual. And this is the desire that you have for us and you've given us the means. So may we utilize those to your glory in Jesus' name.